really love that song. Such a beautiful, beautiful hymn of praise and worship. Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, good to see you guys uh, this morning. Uh, let me have you guys turn in your Bibles. You might already be there to Lamentations three twenty-two through 24. Um, I wanted to say as you're turning that studying for this sermon uh, has been such an encouragement for me. As often happens when I, I preach, I am, I am humbled uh, before God's word as he speaks to my heart, as he convicts me, and he brings me to a place of just raw, where my whole inner being is exposed to him. And I've gone through these familiar verses that we all know and love in with, a, with an expectation and I came out of it with a completely, completely different and a deeper meaning of these verses. Um, God's word is truly living and active. Uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for how it speaks to our heart. We thank you that it is living and active. And even verses that are so familiar to us can speak to our hearts in a fresh and alive and living way and real way. Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, I just pray this morning that you would help me to communicate the truth of your word. Lord, that you wouldn't allow me to get in the way of the Holy Spirit to communicate to our hearts the truth from your word, the encouragement from your word. God, thank you so much. We uh, ask that our hearts, Lord, would be ready to receive the implanted word and that we would bring you honor as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so let's, uh, if you're there, uh, Lamentations 22. You'll have to uh, forgive me. Normally, I I use my phone when I do all my Bible studies in my quiet time because I can adjust the font. I can make the font really big. I think I have it on there. It's like I get like three verses on the whole screen because my wife's always making fun of me because um, if I'm reading uh, on my phone, um, I'm doing, making funny faces all the time. <laughs> and she's laughing and I'll pick it up sometime to look at her and she's just shaking her head. You're making those funny faces again. And I said, well, it kind of helps me to see those small letters. I've got bifocals. And every every uh, every you know year I go in to have them adjusted to to see if I can um, read better. And they say, oh yeah, we'll we'll increase it a little bit. And I, I still can't read. So this Bible I've had for a long time, and it is really small letters. So you'll have to excuse me as if I kind of get in there and I'm doing this, okay. <laughs> Okay, let's look at Lamentations 3, let's read 22, and we're just going to read 22 and 24 this morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will have hope. Ah, beautiful verses. We have experienced all of us so much um, blessing from these verses. We see them everywhere, you know, pictures on walls and coffee mugs and sweatshirts and 
just about everywhere. And it's, it's such an encouragement and a blessing for us. But this morning we're going to look at these verses perhaps in a little bit different way than you have seen before. We're going to look at it through two points, two main points. You don't have little pieces of paper um, with you, um, but if you have something to scribble on or perhaps write this in your Bible. The two points that I think will help us to understand these passages in a little better view is uh, the two C's. Call them the two C's. The first C is context. The first C is context, and the second C is going to be covenant. Context and covenant. Um, that'll help us kind of, I hope, move beyond just the fluff in the, in, of these verses and kind of dig in to the depth of God's word here. The first C is context that we're going to look at. Um, Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet whose uh, ministry spanned five kings and 41 years. From Josiah to Zedekiah, Jeremiah prophesied of Judah's impending judgment, repentance of idolatry, and turning back to the law of the Lord. Gross sexual immorality and sacrifice of newborn children was rampant. Heinous sins were committed worshiping Baal, Ashtaroth, Molech, and Amor. Instead of sackcloth and ashes, Jeremiah was met with rejection and ridicule. He was beaten. He was put into stocks. And the stocks were designed to bring public humiliation to the victim. As those walked by, they would mock and spit and kick Jeremiah. Priests and prophets said he was worthy of the death sentence. He was cast into a cistern where Jeremiah sank into the mud. Forty-one years of rejection and living in a cave. Jeremiah preached faithfully, prophesied faithfully God's word. Lamentations now is the God's wrath, the seeing of God's wrath being revealed, being poured out upon his people, his covenant people. Turn over to Lamentations 1.1. Lamentations 1.1. And we read this marvelously sad verse. So beautiful, uh, but so sad. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who was great among the nations... She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. That is Jerusalem. That is the state of Jerusalem. Jeremiah is an eyewitness to what is occurring. The Chaldean army headed by Nebuchadnezzar had encircled and was laying siege to Jerusalem. The Chaldeans, that was the the method, that was the way that the wars were often Uh, done in the old days around cities. You would besiege it. You wouldn't allow any food to come in or anybody to go out. Israel, uh, Jerusalem had a a well, a constant source of water, but their food was very limited. The fall of Israel was awful beyond imagination. Surrounded as they were, the people began to starve. 
Now, let's move forward uh, to chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. So go forward one there. And we're going to read a a little bit about what was happening with uh, the city of Jerusalem. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has ruined and broken her bars. Her king and princes are among the nations, scattered. The law is no more, and her prophets find no vision from the Lord. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth, and the young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. My bile is poured out in the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. They cry to their mothers, Where is bread and wine? as they faint like a wounded man in the streets of our city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. What can I say for you? To what can can I compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What can I liken you to, that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Jeremiah was lamenting the loss of Jerusalem, God's city and God's people, terribly grieving over this loss. Now you might think, uh, Jeremiah perhaps by this time would be indifferent. Uh, Maybe he would be like, you know, apathetic. Okay, I'm just, I'm finally glad it's here and it's it's over now. That's not Jeremiah. That's not what's happening here. He's not kind of sitting there sort of looking and saying, ha, I told you so. I told you so. Or maybe sometimes we, if we're honest, we, we will say to our have said, um, you deserve what you get. Right? We've said that. We've probably thought that. But Jeremiah had God's heart for his people and his city and temple. You know, it's not unusual for the people of God, God's who have God's heart, to mourn for sinful, rebellious, stubborn believers. We see Moses who did that. When Moses came down from the mount, remember what happened? What were they doing? They had grabbed their earrings, their gold earrings, and they made a gold calf. What was Moses' response? Get. Judge him. No. He said, God, if if I could do it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, okay, so don't. I will take the blame for them. Let me be accursed. Let me have my name taken out of your book of life, he said. That was the kind of heart that Moses had for the people of Israel. Even in the midst of their sin, he was broken. We see it with Paul. Paul, in in Romans chapter 9, uh, verse 3, he says this, For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul had God's heart. He had the heart of God's people. He loved them. He said, if I could, if it was possible, I would become a curse so that they may have restored relationship, have relationship with God, with their father. 
I think we've all found ourselves found ourselves sometimes thinking uh, that not 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 the people that deserve judgment, not the people that have deserved to you know, by their sin, by their bad choices. We've probably found ourselves saying, ah, they they should deserve that. They get that. We can become calloused and we can be cold when we should be on our knees. Jeremiah now calls us uh, to his personal suffering. Look in, now we get to chapter 3, and we're going to look through verses 1 through 20. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. Jeremiah speaks. He's saying, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy, though I call and cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me into pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction, my wanderings, the wormwood and gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Wow, this, is, this isn't sugar-coated, is it? This isn't your typical American Christianity, which is normally just putting on a happy face, smile, and when you're suffering, when you're grieving, when you're hurting, and then just putting on the small face and someone, how are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. I'm good. Thank you. But not really. On the inside, not really. That is what we normally see in American Christianity. In fact, it's even taught by myriads of false teachers on television who say, ah, you can live your best life now. In fact... Uh, They'll say, uh, if you have some struggles in your life, your emotional health, physical health, or financial health, it's because you're not believing enough. You just need to believe more. You just need to have more faith. And guess what? All those will go away and your life will be fine. But that that is satanic in nature. That is not scriptural. That is not biblical in any way. If you're experiencing these problems, you're experiencing a fall. 
of this world and the sin of this world. Many, Megan, uh, many, <laughs> Megan years ago, <laughs> many years ago, Megan and I attended a church in, in Wenatchee, and uh, we went through a, a, just a host of health problems in our church all at once, it seemed like. A uh, couple people with cancer, and there's someone with a, a really severe condition that was deteriorating their life, and, the, and um, Anyway, Megan and I were overcome with emotion and grief and sadness for these people that we knew and loved. And as we were sharing this uh, this prayer with those uh, around us who were Christians, uh, we were told by one particular lady that the reason why we were having all this problem in our church with disease and cancer was because there was sin in our church. Instead of Megan and I being uplifted and encouraged, given hope, given prayer, we were told that there's sin in your church. How sad it is. How sad it is that we've come to this place in in our lives where we can't be real. Now, don't get me wrong. Jeremiah doesn't stay in this condition. And that's the verses we're going to look at. But this is the context of real life. This is, this is raw. This is real. It's unvarnished. It's real, authentic Christianity. Christianity isn't about always life and everything going to our plan and our desires. It's, it's ugly sometimes. This world is ugly and it's hard. And yet we can be there for each other. That's why God calls us to gather so that we can encourage one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds, carry one another's burdens. I will tell you, I will submit to you that persecution, suffering, pain is the norm of Christianity. We in this great country we live in are, are really an, an exception. But if you look throughout history, if you look throughout the world today, you will see that that is not the case. Today, it is estimated that 13 to 22 Christians will be martyred for their faith today. Since we've been here this morning and we go home and we go to bed at night, 13 to 22 Christians are killed because they name the name of Christ. Christians are facing Intense persecution throughout the world. Even in countries like Canada and the United States. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Suffering and grief and misery is the context of lamentations. It is the context. It is with This context, through this lens that we come to these beautiful verses, it is in the context that we can truly see the beauty of what Jeremiah says next. So our first C is context, and then our second C, which we're going to look at, is covenant. Our second C is covenant. Let's start by reading verse 21. 
Jeremiah says, but this I call to mind. This I call to mind. Um, Some translations, maybe you have it in yours. It says, remember. This I remember. Um, But I wanted to kind of break this down because in the Hebrew, it's completely different. Hebrew and Greek are these vast, beautiful, very descriptive languages. And then you get to English. I kind of equate it to like this big, huge funnel. And then English is the little tiny opening on the bottom. And you got to try to pack all the meaning and beauty of these languages and try to come up with words in English to describe it. And, and, and so when you do a Bible study, sometimes things, when you dig in deep, just all of a sudden unpack. And you're like, you're pulling out. You're like, whoa, this just keeps on going. And, and, and there's a lot more here. And so I want you to see that in verse 21. There's a lot more here than what it just seems on the surface. Um, the word here, the Hebrew word here for remember carries the idea of turning back or returning. In fact, in a lot of other passages, it's saying, to I return, I'm coming back. It's beautiful because here Jeremiah is, he is suffering and he's looking at his own misery. He's looking at his own life. He's seeing Jerusalem. And he says, but I return, I come back. Most of the battles that we fight in our minds, aren't they? There are battles where we, we repent, and we, we confess, we repent, and then, and then we repeat. You see that on T-shirts a lot, you know, not those exact words, but it, that's what happens. We, we kind of keep coming back to what we just confessed and repented of. You know, anxiety, uh, fear, anger, bitterness, uh, all these things are pride, and, and we, we see our sin, and we say, ah, I got to hold on to truth today. I got to hold on to God's promises. And we do that. And, and there's battles that are fought there. We return to the truth. And we say, I'm holding on to this. And then 10, 15 minutes later, if you're like me, you're like right back at it again. And you're like, oh, here I am again. I need to. And, and, and that's what happens. There's a battle that goes in our minds. And, and so Jeremiah, he, he's going through the battle. And he says, I return to this truth. I return, I confess, I repent, and then we repeat. Paul describes this battle in Romans. Remember, he's describing that battle between the flesh and the spirit. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? Paul knew that struggle. Jeremiah is returning to this truth. He also says he brings it to mind. Now, mind, we just get the idea because it's our English Translation is just our head. It's just our mind. But the Hebrew word, again, is beautiful. It's, it's actually the heart, the soul, the mind, the emotions. It's the whole inner man. It's everything we are. So Jeremiah is really saying, he says, I return. I come back. And I don't just come back. I come back with my whole being. Everything inside of me, I'm returning to this principle, to this truth of God's word. Everything in me turns back to hold on. And that's what it is. It's holding on in the face of of absolute horror. Personally, and and as he's witnessing it, he's holding on. Jeremiah is saying, I return with my whole being, and therefore, I have hope. Therefore, I have hope. The second C is covenant. Covenant. What is this 
hope that, that Jeremiah had. What is this hope? Let's read verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. What a beautiful, beautiful verses that come out of abject uh, sadness and misery. These beautiful verses come out. The steadfast love of the Lord. This is the second C. The steadfast love of the Lord, the title of today's message, has said. The has said. Has said is an incredible Hebrew word. It's used 250 times in the Old Testament. It is referring to the covenant love of God. The covenant love of God. It is often paired with, with words to describe it. So it's used in this passage as the steadfast love. But it's also the faithful love. It is translated 149 times in the Old Testament as mercy and four times as merciful. David in Psalm 103, 8 says, he describes Hesed as the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous of mercy. Hesed, love. Joel 2, 13 says, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in hased, steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Jonah 4.2 says it this way, That is why I made haste to flee Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, hased. The hesed of God is the covenant love of God. It is patient. It is faithful. It is kind. It is merciful. It is a love that's based in God's character. Jeremiah says, I will return to this truth. The covenant love of God with my whole being. And because of that, through devastation, personally and to the, the people of God and God's city, Jeremiah had hope. Jeremiah had hope. We read further in verse 22 that these mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies never come to an end. Um, the Nazbe and the I, I have a NASB and I have English Standard Version. I have both of those at home, and I really enjoy those translations. Um, but the, the King James and the Christian Standard Bible really interpret this passage a lot better because it it'll make more sense to you when I read it from this version. Here's the here's the Christian Standard Version of this. Um, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. Because of God's faithful love, his has said, we do not perish. The word perish there is the word for consumed. We are not consumed because of God's faithful love. God's faithful love for us. If we think about it, that's kind of what we all deserve, right? It's a little bit of context for us. Um, When we see people devastated and hurt, 
It, this is what grounds Jeremiah partly to, to love these people because he's looking at himself. He's humble. He knows, I deserve it too. I deserve death. I deserve punishment or the wrath of God. See, that's how you can see this devastation in people's lives wrought by their own actions. And you can have mercy. You can have compassion. You can have kindness. Because absent from God, we would all be in the same place. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying, I deserve death. It's because of your faithful love that I am not consumed. That I am not dying. I'm not perishing. And we don't perish because his mercies never end. His mercies are inexhaustible. They are new every morning. Some of us, um, even after we've repented and confessed our sin to the Lord, we carry shame around. We think we can heap upon ourselves extra judgment that's not given to us from God. Even after we've confessed and repented and we, and we walk around full of shame in our lives. And that is not what, what Lamentations is saying here. He's saying His mercies are new every morning. We need that every morning, don't we? Sometimes we find ourselves back in that same old groove, that same old mental thought we struggle with. But God's mercies are new every morning. Don't struggle with shame. Confess, repent. God is forgiving you. Move on after that. God's mercies are new every morning. Jeremiah proclaims, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah, amen. Great is God's faithfulness. In the light of everything that Jeremiah is going through right here, right now, as he's witnessing the actual destruction of Jerusalem, watching with his own eyes and seeing the own devastation in his own life, he can say, great is your faithfulness. I'm telling you, the only time that we as Christians can really, truly understand these verses is when we go through adversity, when we go through trials and tribulations. I mean, we can, we can believe in our, in our head. We can say, yes, God, you are good all the time. All the time you are good. We can say that great is your faithfulness. We can sing it. Great is thy faithfulness. Okay, I won't sing. Sorry. I just embarrassed, I just embarrassed my daughter. Okay. But God, is. we can sing that. We can sing that with our whole, whole heart and our whole being. Yes, we can. But the only time you can really plumb the depths of God's faithfulness is when you've faced Difficulty that seems to be completely insurmounting. You are completely at the end of yourself. You have no place to go. You turn to the Lord. You say, God, you share your heart. You pour your heart. God meets you. He speaks to your heart. The circumstances may not change for us. It didn't for Jeremiah. He was still in the midst of the pain. 
And yet we can still say, great is your faithfulness. And let me tell you, when, when that morning comes, when that trial is removed from your life, maybe, maybe, maybe not till heaven, then we can look and we can say, great is your faithfulness in a way we could have never understood before. God is faithful. He is good. Don't try to do things on your own. Allow God to work and show himself in his majesty in our lives. Jeremiah is saying that even though God's people are scattered in the city and the temple are destroyed, God, you are faithful. You are faithful. And then we look at our last verse. Our last verse is verse 24. And this verse is such a beautiful verse too. Because Jeremiah is saying here, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. So it's hard for us to understand this. The Jewish people were so tied to their land and to their city and to their temple. I mean, it's more than just buildings for them. It's more than just a city. You could say, well, it could be rebuilt. You know, your house burns. A lot of people's houses burn. It's tragic. It's terrible. But you say, we can rebuild. It'll take a long time. It'll be hard. It won't be the same, but we can rebuild. We become, we can build fresh, start anew. But here we see that the land, and, and for Jeremiah, the city and the temple are so closely tied to their who they are, everything they are, everything they identify with is tied to their land, is tied to the city of Jerusalem, is tied to the temple. It's being taken away from Jeremiah. And he says that even in the face and everything's being taken away from me, he says, the Lord is my portion. God, you are my land. You are my blessing. You take away the land. Take away these, the city, the temple. You are my land. You are my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope, Christian, we have hope. This world is not a, our friend. It's fallen. But we have hope. Our hope is not here in this world and the things we live with, the things we own, the possessions we have. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I would be remiss if I didn't take this moment right now and share the gospel. I don't know who here may need to hear this. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've personally trusted him as your Lord and Savior and you truly are without hope, you don't have Jesus as your portion. You are lost. You can't say with Jeremiah, when times get tough, you can't say these things. Great is your faithfulness, your steadfast love for me. You are lost. Like I was, 18 years old, Lord grabbed hold of a, foolish heart revealed himself to me and I confessed my sin, repented of my life and I asked Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior this morning you can come to church your whole life, you can hear the gospel your whole life but if you've never chosen that for yourself personally and you're lost I encourage you come and Talk to Pastor Tim, talk to me, talk to Matt, talk to anybody. 
we can share the gospel with you. We can pray with you. If you need comfort, if you need prayer, um, we're here for you too. As we struggle, as we go through this life, we want to live authentic lives. We want to be real with each other. We want to be people of prayer for one another. That is our desire for this church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the encouragement of your word. Lord, to go through such terrible uh, devastation that Jeremiah went through, to be able to say, great is your faithfulness. Your steadfast love endures forever. Your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I thank you so much for those words and the encouragement. I thank you for your love for us that uh, is based in your character. Lord, you're so good to us. You love us with a love that we can never, ever understand, comprehend. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.